0: everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. And once again, she's in a different studio. My location is contingent upon what's going on in my family. (laughs) So right now I am taking care of my wonderful 19 year old grand dog. And when he awakens, you might hear his little patter of his uh, paw prints around here, because um, when he awakens, he needs to go out, but we just got all that taken care of. And I'm set up here. So this is where we're going to have today's podcast. I am pretty flexible. I can work wherever. <laughs> I so appreciate you indulging my need to be flexible. Okay, so today's podcast is entitled, Holy, 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 Grieving the Religion I Lost. Now we're going to kind of go all over the place with this topic today. We're going to talk a little bit about religious trauma. We're going to talk a little bit about spiritual manipulation, uh, gaslighting, some grief, and we'll talk also about some triggers and why they can be a gift of wisdom and healing If we are at a place where we can receive those gifts and then we're going to end it by talking about some shadow work. And I think we're also going to throw in a little bit about some binary thinking and it will feel like we're going all over the place, but I think it will all make sense. So hang with me. And this all came about, it's inspired uh, from an experience that I recently had. My husband and I were on um, a road trip to go see my mother-in-law. And a song from my Christian past just happened to start randomly playing on the radio. And as you know, there is a blog that I write about this subject. And I write the blog first and then record uh, the podcast. And this week, (laughs) that's not the 19-year-old dog. That's the 13-year-old grand dog. And the one who's sometimes you can hear her in the background. So... Anyway, if you if you watch the video, you'll be able to see her jump up on the the, the footstool. Welcome to my life. But when I wrote this blog, um, I titled it, or the first sentence in it is just "Grief arrived today." And had I not had the presence of mind and experience to allow what was originally rising up as as an anger and a little bit of a trigger, um, I wouldn't have gotten to the point where I was able to recognize that this was was grief. And why does this keep showing up? I just wrote a blog about this not too long ago. So what's happening here? Why is this showing up? So this could be something personal for me, but oftentimes I found that my story resonates with many of you who are experiencing similar situations. So I decided to share it. So we'll get back to the blog writing in just a little bit, but I want to spend some time expanding on certain aspects of the writing, and then we'll dive into that story. So the overarching theme of this teaching is this, binary thinking limits your ability to heal. It limits your ability to be present with emotions and your ability to move beyond things that may be controlling you. So let's start a little bit about what binary thinking is. And sometimes you'll hear binary thinking uh, referred to as duality or dichotomous uh, thinking. Um, But like I said, I think by the end of the, the podcast, we'll come full circle here. But So dichotomous thinking or binary thinking, this happens when when complex concepts or ideas or problems that you want to overly simplify as being yes, no, left, right, up, down, black, white, wrong, right. You want to simplify it to the most... The simplest of degrees, and then you contain it there with no deviation whatsoever. That, in other words, life doesn't live. There's nothing in the gray area. You have compartmentalized how you feel about people, life, lived experiences, all that into these categorizations. And you just will not, you will not deviate from that. And a lot of times, the reason why binary thinking shows up is because it gives us a sense of security. It gives us a sense of certainty that we can label and control our experiences and things around us. So where everything is so complicated and multi-layered out in the world, thinking in, in binary thought allows you to feel safe. It allows you to feel like you're, you're, it gives you a sense of comfort because you're controlling the situations. So, cause oftentimes living in uncertainty can feel, you can start to feel anxious because it's just too complex. And it's, it's no wonder that a lot of people, especially people who have been traumatized in some way or another, and who want to make sure that they're never going to be harmed again, start to think in binary thoughts. So especially in a time where any time we have a situation where we are impacted at community-wide, nationwide, globally, like in the pandemic, the 9-11 tragedy comes to mind, uh, the, the tsunami that killed hundreds of thousands of people, those, that disrupts our binary thinking. And you often find, just like the data show, that for instance, after 9-11, many people were depressed. Because the world they thought they lived in wasn't real. This binary world of I'm safe wherever I go in this country, all of a sudden that was taken away. And so you were forced to come out of that and look at the world as it was instead of being comforted in your binary thought. And then you're not able to control that. So you need to look for outside resources to help you manage what's showing up now the good thing that could come from that is that we actually learn new tools new resources to help us expand beyond the need to categorize everything because especially when we're dealing with human beings and our need to say well that's wrong you're wrong you're right and you're only right if you look like i do you're only right if you believe like i do being able to stay away from that kind of, th- of thinking allows us to expand our compassion, to live with empathy, to be more understanding and look for the ways that we're similar instead of the ways that we are different. But you can see how oftentimes these these kinds of disruptions in our in our safety and in our schedule and our routine can cause the brain to look for shortcuts to try to make us feel better. So over, oversimplifying things to say, okay, I'm just going to check out and try to not try to process any of this. And I'm just going to live in bil- binary thinking. Okay. So I will t- attach an article in the show notes that really is a great article about binary thinking, and it will allow you to also find ways that you can learn more about it and hopefully avoid it. But the reason why it has application here, especially with the title, uh, the theme of today's podcast is because you will often see binary thinking inside organized religion, in particular extremist dogmatic thinking that compels you to believe that what I believe about God is the only way to believe. And I'm so sure of it, that I'm not only going to force my beliefs on you, I'm going to make it illegal for you to believe anyway else. Now you might think that's so extreme that it can't happen, but it absolutely can happen. It's happening in our world and it's happening in the United States of America right now. Who do you think is behind these extremist laws that are preventing the rights of women that are restricting the rights of the LGBTQIA community. That is also limiting marginalized, historically marginalized humans, if we can't talk openly about our nation's history. So there's a lot of that going on. And I'm going to expand on that actually next week in my podcast. So be looking for that soon too. But all of that is just an example of what binary thinking is. So non-binary thinking looks like this from a spiritual perspective, because that's what we focus on here. It says this table of humanity is big enough to hold the entirety of our human experience and that our geographic, familial, ancestral heritage, our societal, and our cultural experiences impact our beliefs and thus our spirituality. So if we can sit with that non-binary thought, like, okay, I can see how all of our lived experiences and where I was born and how my family came together and our ancestral heritage impacted what I believe. And I can, see how, I can see that in another person. And I am not the gatekeeper of who shows up at this table of humanity. So I would also throw in here that what that means is that, that this table of humanity in which we all should have a seat should never be gatekept by any one set of humans or beliefs. That is not religious freedom that sometimes it's packaged and marketed like that, but that's actually religious oppression. So avoiding binary thinking leaves room for the human experience. For instance, you may see a person who is unsheltered or who is experiencing homelessness and binary thinking would say, well, this person just doesn't work. They're lazy. Or maybe If you're thinking non-binarily, you will think, I wonder what has happened to this person that's so shattering that they are unable to cope, or they have fallen through the cracks of our support system, or they feel safer on the streets than in a home. Both can be true. Both of those things can be true. A person experiencing homelessness may choose not to work, may choose living unsheltered, or it can be that someone fell through the cracks. So it's, it's not all homelessness people fit into your nice, neat bucket of the way you want to see the entirety of people experiencing homelessness. It doesn't work that way. Both can be true. They can, they, cause, because that expands all of us to be able to show up with compassion. You may have no compassion for people who are imprisoned. And I've heard people say this before you think they deserve that punishment. And we often think well, even the hardships that they face afterwards, even though they served their sentence and they've paid that with their time in prison. That's not enough because what often happens once they're released, they can't find a job. They can't, if you have a record, you can't get a place to live. So the hardships continue into perpetuity and somebody might say, well, they deserve that. That's what they do. Or non-binary thinking would say, perhaps this person based on their geographic location and living in a historically oppressed place that had little resources was looking for ways to survive in a system that actually perpetuated criminal activity just to be able to get by, then ended up incarcerated b- because of that broken system. And now if they are given a chance to get, that, to, uh, to get skills, to get education, to get life training skills, that some of us have taken for granted, because those of us who were able to rise up in a privileged state with things that we were we were just given based on our geographic location or the color of our skin, if we make sure that the playing field is equal and this person is given those chances, what? what how can that person contribute to to society, to their family, to their to their self worth? Both can be true. A person can be in prison who is who who cannot be rehabilitated because maybe there is a, a mindset, you know, God forbid a mass murderer, but we know that they exist and they're the chances of rehabilitation are so slim that it's safer for society, for that person to be, to be back out in free in society versus a, versus a person who made a difficult decision and got caught for it at that time. I've often heard it said, and I've said it myself many times, that there's not too many people who haven't done something that could land them in jail. They just didn't get caught. And yet somehow we show ourselves to be more worthy of freedom than those who got caught. And that's a humbling experience when you think of what separates those who have been in prison and those who haven't both again both can be true who deserves compassion for serving their time and then wanting to come back into the world and be a productive member of humanity and give back to society how can we make sure that we can do what we can to help that person do that trevor noah the late night personality i i Go to bed too early to to see any of these, but of course I did hear about his monologue where he talked about Kim Kardashian, and I've got a link to this uh, video clip as well in the show notes where he was talking about the the harassment and the bullying that Kim Kardashian has experienced um, because of Kanye playing out in full public display about their divorce, and Trevor called this binary thinking out just as it is because you can see that. Some people just don't like Kim because she is a publicity hound. She manipulates the system to her advantage. She, she grew up very privileged and yet she can be very judgmental of people who did not grow up with the same, with the same privilege that she had and yet judge them for not making it as she did. However, Kim is being harassed. And it's very disturbing to watch. And as Trevor Noah said, it's actually quite terrifying. Why? Because the both things can be true. Kim does like publicity and she's mastered the art of it, but she's also being harassed. Both things can be true. And just because the former is true that she likes publicity and you may not respect that the fact that she's being harassed is a statement about our society and how we should make sure that women who are opting to leave their marriage should be able to be protect, protected and supported regardless of who they are. One isn't contingent upon the other. Because if we start drawing those kinds of conclusions, who gets to make those decisions? Who's worthy of making those decisions? Binary thinking would make you think that you are, but non binary thinking says that how Kim is seen in the public eye is a more reflection of, of, of we as a society. And I believe that we as a society, a caring, compassionate, empathic society would say, we need to show Kim some support for what she's going through. We see this a lot, right? Happening. Like I said earlier in the nation right now, regarding women's rights, LGBTQIA, Uh, Plus rights, the right to a fair and balanced education uh, that tells the actual history of our nation's ancestors without glorifying them, because this is a very, very important topic. Again, both can be true. There were so many of our forefathers who did really good things, but also did really bad things. We even know that Lincoln, who is considered by some to be the greatest president ever of these United States, He used the N-word. He told racist jokes. He said that Black people were inferior to White people. During a senatorial debate with Stephen Douglas in 1858, Lincoln said, quote, There is a physical difference between the White and Black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality, end quote. So, even Frederick Douglass, who is known for his reformist views and being an ardent abolitionist, said he and Lincoln were friends, but he also knew that Lincoln opposed slavery. But the reason he opposed it was a matter of democracy. It was a matter of, on an abstract level, it was not right to enslave any human. So, but this concept of binary thinking would make it so that if we wanted to completely dismiss the fact that one of the greatest presidents that ever lived who had the courage to declare war on his own country to fight for the freedom of some of of enslaved humans, we could completely throw that out because of binary thinking. But we cannot, non-binary thinking says, We have to acknowledge the fact that even though that may have been contextualized inside the way a lot of people thought during Lincoln's era, he still thought that and it's recorded. So it's very important that we tell that side of history. That's how we move beyond the thinking to make sure that we own the parts of us that we're trying to improve. Without telling the entirety of Lincoln's story, something would, would be missed. It's quite obvious to me that Lincoln had non-binary thought, because if he truly believed th- that the Black people were inferior to whites and yet not deserving of being released from slavery, he wouldn't have gone forward with fighting the war, with declaring war on the South. Now, I'm not saying at all that I'm excusing anything of what he said. What he said is incredibly hurtful and incredibly divisive and incredibly racist. But we also have to look at what courage it took to be able to declare war to say that no human should be enslaved, especially in America. All right, I'm going to stop there because we're 20 minutes into the uh, podcast. And I want to just do a little bit about shadow work because Binary thinking comes into this and also shadow work and just a little bit about shadow work. And I'm uh, relying heavily on Reverend Artis, So as you know, I'm the founder of NumaSol center for spiritual transformation, Reverend art and I are seminary sisters, and she was working along beside me to help us develop programs that we'll be announcing very soon. I laugh because it seems like we've been working on them forever, but they are coming my friends. We want to make sure we get everything right, but she had written about uh, shadow work on for a project that she has, uh, coming up. And basically what this is, it's, it's about you understanding that there are hidden or repressed parts of our personalities. And oftentimes it's the ego fails to see it. However, it works in cooperation with us to keep us safe. So in other words, if, if we suppress those things or, or not acknowledge the fact that we have a dark side, then we can pretend like everything about us is fine It's the rest of the world that's broken. Now that's a very oversimplification of shadow work, but it's really a denial of aspects of ourselves that can be, that are negative. You know, if we know about ourselves where we, for instance, um, let's, let's take this example. So a child is scolded, scolded for being enthusiastic in school wants to tell the answers when it, when raises, raising uh, their hand, when the teacher calls and the teacher, uh, instead of saying something encouraging says, you're always too fast. You always have to do, and then make it very negative about the person, about this child, instead of, instead of encouraging the, or in rewarding the fact that this child is enthusiastically trying to learn, instead punishes the child in some way by acknowledging it as if it's a flaw that child may grow up to try to hide that and suppress spontaneity suppress creativity suppress sharing that part of themselves so it might be hard for that person as they grow to to express themselves and they don't know why so if they're called out in a public meeting or by their boss or something like that to share they might find themselves freezing up and they don't know why And that's because the shadow part of us is protecting us because the last time we did that, that got, that really got too close. It was too hot. It was too hot and it harmed us in some way. Now there's so many other things about the shadow work that I won't have time to go into today, but a lot of times you might find it uh, rising in what we consider negative feelings. So anger, jealousy, resentment, bitterness, those emotions, which are valid emotions. I'm not, I I want to make this very clear. The range of emotions that we have, we should embrace if we are willing to see that they are leading us to a part of ourselves that's needing light, a part of ourselves that's looking to be healed and released. I'm not saying that it's always, you know, you can be angry, angry about something that you read in the paper. You can be a bitter about an old situation, but How often do we find ourselves in a place where this is a repetitive pattern that actually then impacts your current relationships and how you're showing up in the world? So shadow work gives us a place to do this work so that we move to a place of self-realization, we, we move to a place of self-awareness that says, all right, I'm really feeling very strongly about this, but this feels like an overreaction. This feels like my reaction doesn't match the situation. Now, yeah, that's a high level of self-awareness. Or if we have people around us who we trust that who can say mirror back to us, like, Hey, I'm watching this and I'm not quite sure these match up. Do you want to take a moment to talk about this and let's, let's uh, decompress and figure out what's going on here. And sometimes you might even get more defensive, which is a big clue that this is definitely an invitation for shadow work. If you would just take it, because if we learn to do that work, it can be some of the most empowering work that we ever do. It's where we actually do the hard work to release the things that no longer serve our highest good, that allows us to turn back to our lives and give of ourselves from a place of love and compassion. That should be all of our goals. If we're coming from a place of defensiveness and anger and bitterness, people pick up on that and they know where you're not approachable. They know where you're trigger points are, it can also be used against you with people who also have their own triggers. And I know you've been in those situations with people before. So all of this to say, so we've gone through binary thinking, and now we're coming around the other side of the circle to shadow work. All of this, if you take this from a spiritual perspective, this is called soul work and this is something where we are building our projects on here at Numa Soul and i like i said this is some of the hardest work that you'll ever do it but i'm so grateful that i did it and i always said that going through some of what i did in my deconstruction was more than just saying okay i want to understand from a spiritual perspective how do other people sp- experience the divine how do people other people what do other people know about what it means to be holy to be spiritual what is it like to sit in and experience a ritual from another tradition, those are all ways to kind of understand, but how then we move into the space of being fully human and yet acknowledge living from a place of deep soul uh, experience comes from a place when we no longer allow the lived experiences we have to impact our soul so greatly that we just cannot live as fully as a full expression of what we're capable of. That's soul work. So from that, that's, that's why I wanted to spend some time here for you to understand what binary thinking is what shadow work is. And there's so much about the shadow work. I mean, we could spend 12 weeks just talking about that. And also even more about binary thinking. Uh, This podcast doesn't give us that chance, but stay tuned. There will be places for us to go into deep dives into this, where we'll do some work together in a private space away from social media. So hang on to this. But now this is a time for us just to do a quick flyover of the blog writing, where I said, I started with actually the awareness after I did the work, I started the blog with grief arrived today. And at first it did not feel like grief at all. My husband and I were in the car. And when we plugged in his car into the Bluetooth, a song started to automatically play from a playlist from a long time ago. And the song is called a uh, revelation song. And it was the one I had in my playlist was uh, from Phillips, Craig and Dean It was one of my favorite ones. And as soon as I heard the chords, I knew what it was. And I remember thinking I felt the anger because, I, 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 you know, I knew what the words were. I knew this by heart. And I knew that that was going to be the chorus would be uh, holy, 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 uh, the Lord, all, God almighty, who was and is and is to come with all creation. I sing praises to the king. You are my everything and I will adore you. And. I thought, I I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this song. Cause here I was 11 years after leaving church, having this big emotional response. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand at first. I just like, all right, I want to turn this off. I don't want to hear it, but I could hear the anger. I'm like, what is this? This is a trigger. And like I said, I've been doing this soul work long enough, this deep inner work that releases these things that no longer serve my highest good that I knew I needed to spend time with this. So I left the song on. And I started to think about how many times over the years I listened to this song. I used it a lot in my spiritual practice. There was just something about the lyrics, the melody, all of it, the way it was, the way it was, um, sung, everything about it was just perfect for what I needed during my times of worship. And I, it really spiraled me back to that time. And I was able to sit there and know that, all right, I can go back and think about the good things that happened and how that song opened me up and prepared me in ways that other things couldn't. I didn't understand stuff about the way other people found spirituality, spiritual moments. But for this, this song did that for me. And I remember after leaving church, feeling really wobbly because I forgot, I didn't know how I was going to be spiritual. I had just those songs at that time. There was no way I could go near them. I lost my, you know, my worship experience, at not going to church, but my indoctrination also taught me that if I'm not doing something, like I I'd lost all my church work and I had lost that worship experience. And if I wasn't, if I wasn't doing something, then I wasn't being spiritual, or at least that's what I thought so when I started to deconstruct and I started to peel away all of those indoctrinated beliefs about the work being my spirituality then I got began to understand that there was this layer of doubt and lack of self-worth that said I needed to perpetually be moving in order this for this belief system that I was was in that it would affirm me and that if i continued to work and give sacrificially for the perpetuation of the institution in other words the church itself then i was being holy but here i was sitting in this car listening to this song and now i'm at a place where i had released all those indoctrinations so why did this moment catch me off guard i had done all the work so i said and i and i listened and i remember going back and thinking not only Did listening to the words actually take me back to a place of feeling open hearted again? I had a new name for it. I called it affirming love. And that affirming love was still showing up for me. It had not betrayed me. It was there, even though I didn't know it at the time when I left church and I found myself in this spiritual wilderness. And I had no idea, I had no roadmap. I had no idea where I was going. I didn't know who I was, if I wasn't who the church said I was, but this affirming love showed up for me and it gently tapped me on the shoulder and it reminded me that all is well. And once I embraced this to say, okay, I'm in this spiritual wilderness, it felt like a paradox. I'm in this spiritual wilderness and yet I am feeling at peace about it. Even though I have no roadmap, I don't know where I'm going. I've had this peace about it. I was okay to stay there because even, yes, I had found that affirming love in my religious heritage, but it was still here with me because divine presence is not conditioned on, it's not based on your worship. It's not based on your prayer or your meditation style. It's not even based on your beliefs. It is universally available and it pours out for all of humanity with no conditions attached. So here I am, millions of miles away from the actual statements of faith that are expressed in these songs, in, in the lyrics of these songs. Because as I said, I, I deconstructed from my religious heritage. And here I was at another paradox because I found myself still able to sway to the song's melody. And I felt this sense of melancholy came over me. And I realized that the anger was just a defense mechanism. It was the inner self protecting me from a situation that may harm me. And if I had stayed triggered and not gone through, not be willing to sit with this moment of soul work, I would have missed this sacred moment of embracing the path I had journeyed that brought me to where I am today. Who I am today is who I was always meant to be. So as I closed my eyes and I listened to that song, I had all kinds of memories coming back from the good things the churches I attended, the, the maturity, uh, spiritual maturity that I had gained, and this enlightenment, this in awareness that I have been gifted with every one of these experiences, even the hard ones, even the ones that hurt. And that is what soul work, that is what shadow work, that's what non-binary thinking can give us because both can be true. You can be grateful that you are no longer bound. In the religion of your heritage, but you can also be grateful that it happened because who you are today is found in remnants of that. So both can be true. So the triggers helped me as I moved through the soul work. And then non binary thinking brought me to the place where I could sit and listen to that song and actually relish in remembering. That's who I was then, and this is who I am now. So the anger may have tried to protect me, but the grief, it healed me again. Because grief isn't one of those things that you can put in a box and just press down into your soul. Oh, it's got to come up and be experienced sometimes. It doesn't matter what has happened in your life. If we're we're denying that it's there, then we are missing key elements of our healing because all of our all of our human story all of our lived experience compiles together to make us who we are it's how we choose to remember it to pause and be present and move closer to those things that may be asking for light that really points us to what is ready to be released so that we can turn back a better version of ourselves. Because dear one, this is soul work and it is all holy. Blessed be. Now, as I finish this podcast, I think you can hear from the skylights that the gentle rain has started. I so appreciate all of you. Beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you. And I pray that you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I will see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.